Welcome to the See Me Now Special Edition Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Coleman, here with my co-host, Caitlin Birdsall, and we are joined today by Colorado Mesa University Professor of Kinesiology, Jill Cordova. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. And you've been here quite a while, right? You're like a legend on campus. (laughs) Yeah, I think this is my 29th year. So, um, of course, when I started, it was called Mesa State College, um, but I was in the same department. And yes, it's been um, 29 years. I can say a, a very great 29 years. And how how's the program evolved in you know in the last three decades? Well, the the program, the obviously the institution changing from a, a college to a university has been huge. Um, the program has changed remarkably over the years. You changed, you know, your your programs always change a little bit. They always evolve. But um, once we really started going towards that university status, the um, changes really became more dramatic. Um, we received a lot more um, equipment and facilities. So for me, I was department head for a lot of years. That was huge because we were able to um, do more with our students, provide more. And then, of course, we did um, have the human performance lab. You know, we used to be in this kind of one room, small little basement room. And we evolved now to this very large um, human performance lab, the Montford Family Human Performance Lab. And that's been huge because we can really provide for our students really graduate level experiences um, to our undergraduate students. So that's been huge. Yeah. And in addition to the human performance lab, I know that um, a big focus for you is getting students really involved in different volunteer activities. So I think partially they can figure out, you know, what path they want to take in life. But could you maybe talk to us about what are some of the organizations that our students have worked with and share some of those stories that have come out over the last three decades? Sure. So we, um, my students, and that's really a strong focus of mine, is to try to provide my students as many field experiences as I possibly can. Um, most of the time when they do their evaluations or when they talk about the courses we've taken, they've taken, they always say that was the most dramatic thing was, was that hands-on experience of working with different individuals. Um, my forte has always been for a long time working with people with disabilities. So my students get a lot of experiences with a lot of different groups, but the majority of the ones that I really provide them with are working with individuals with disabilities. So for a few examples, we do have Special Olympics. Um, we have a lot of different nonprofit organizations that are in the Valley that, that they will spend time at. We um, have an organization called Colorado Discoverability. It's called CDA. And um, individuals are able to do a lot of winter activities, um, mostly skiing up on up, up at Powderhorn. Students are able to go up there and, and help with that. Um, they do um, fall, spring, and summer bicycle riding, raft trips in the summer. And they do do some summer camps as well. So my students do have that opportunity. Something I'm really proud of is... Uh, the ability to take students up to the National Disabled Veterans Winter Sports Clinic, which is held in Snowmass, Colorado, every year. And when I first started, 20, I think I started around 27 years. I haven't missed a year yet. Of course, we had to cancel the last two years because of COVID. But besides that, all those years, um, in the beginning, I was only able to take 
one or two students up, you know, 27 years ago, and now I'm up to about 30 students. And they will spend the whole week in Snowmass um, working and helping the veterans with all kinds of activities, everything from um, Nordic skiing to um, downhill alpine skiing to um, snowmobiling, rock climbing. We even go fly fishing and basalt and all kinds of different things. And they they volunteer for the whole week and and really get hands-on. And maybe for our listeners and, and, and even for myself, being a kinesiology major and then working with people with disability, what exactly are they doing, you know, to, to, to help or like how, how is their classroom education applied in this, in this way? Well, we have a lot of students that are interested in going on to like occupational therapy school and physical therapy school and physician's assistant school. But we also have students that are interested in becoming K-12 physical education teachers. So in all those professions, and even personal trainers is another profession, um, you're going to end up working with people with disabilities. And so they do get hands-on experiences actually helping those veterans that I was talking about climb the wall or um, helping them transfer from their wheelchair to the ski, to the bi-ski or the mono-ski or whatever kind of ski they're using. Um, helping them, you know, we have veterans that have visual impairments, and so they go snowmobiling. You know, they don't drive, but the student will drive and they'll be on the snowmobile with them. So all those kinds of activities. Um, it's not really personal care. Most of the time it's being involved in some sort of physical activity with people with disabilities. Yeah, and I know, so uh, my dad was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. Um, it's been probably eight years ago. And we actually got to participate one time with the ALS Foundation of doing a ski trip. Um, and it was really cool because they had, you know, volunteers there helping that, you know, would, like you said, transfer my dad from his chair into, it was the, what's the single ski chair? Yeah, that's called a mono ski. Mono ski. And then actually take him down, you know, get him on the lift and uh, getting to see my dad be able to do something like that again. And like the look on his face was incredible. And it's like one of my favorite memories from the past years. And that's, I think, only doable because of volunteers. And so I love that you're getting your students involved with organizations like that. Well, and with that, I mean, it, it seems like this is, you know, kind of a life changing opportunity for these students, you know, not only getting this hands on experience, but you know, working with people with disabilities, you know, not everybody has a family member or knows somebody. And so they're getting exposed to, to this, this whole other, you know, community that's within our community. And that's what they'll often say is just those exact words. It was life changing for me. And it's, it's made such a difference. And of all the things I did in college, you know, that really was one of the, one of, had the biggest impact or one of the most well, What, what led you, what led you there? Mm-hmm. How did, how yeah, did you get involved? So, um, when I was an undergraduate student, I was a lifeguard and a, a swim instructor. And um, one day when I was teaching swimming in the pool, someone came and asked me if I would teach these individuals. They were kids at that time with disabilities how to swim. And I was scared like many of my students are when, they first, when I first asked them to do volunteer experiences. I had never done anything like that. Um, but it didn't take long at all. You know, as soon as I got in the water with them and started interacting with them, I just loved it. And I actually started searching out programs where I could work with people with disabilities. And then it just continued on all the way through college and through graduate school. So I've always been interested in in working with bis- people with disabilities and then, you know, really looking at um, 
how it changes their lives, physically, emotionally, socially, all of that. Great. So before the show, we were chatting a little bit and you were telling us about um, a story of one of your students who went and volunteered at a clinic and she kind of thought she was going to go in one direction. I think she was thinking of maybe PT school or PA school. And then after the experience, she kind of switched and was thinking about um, going into prosthetics. Can you talk to us about any more of those types of stories or a little bit more about that story? Yeah. So, um, well, I can start with that story. So yeah, she was a um, one of our undergraduate students who's majoring in exercise science and was just convinced she wanted to go to a physical therapy PT school. And um, I took her up to the clinic. And um, you, when you're at the clinic, you get the opportunity, the veterans clinic, to go around to different um, different venues. And so she spent a little bit of time with the prosthetic group. So veterans would come in and maybe their prosthetic wasn't working and they needed it adjusted or those kinds of things. And so she worked in there and she just fell in love with it. And she so she started to research graduate schools and prosthetics. And so then she ended up going to graduate school in, in prosthetics. Um, she works at a medical center here in town and, and works on prosthetics. But what was really cool was when she was in graduate school, she got the opportunity to go to to a couple third world countries. She went to Guatemala and was able to help kids and adults who maybe had an amputation and weren't able to um, have a prosthetic ever. I mean, they might have gone years without a prosthetic. And so she got to go in there and fit them and provide them with a prosthetic. And that was huge for her. her. Um yeah, I've had students like work in some of the recreation programs too, and they think that they kind of want to go in the medical field, but they're kind of outdoor recreation people anyway. And so they've gone on and then become directors of different programs for like Parks and Rec or some of the ski programs, um, you know, in the Rocky Mountains where they would start running a program, become a program director. So that's been really cool as well. Sounds like really rewarding work. I'm like, you know, I love marketing and that's my forte, but I'm like, geez, I might have looked into (laughs) a little bit more. Yeah, you wake up in the morning. A little bit more rewarding than mm -hmm. than advertising. (laughs) You mentioned that you were a swimmer. Were were your parents, um, you know, kind of water babies as well? Is that kind of talk about your parents and and where you come from? Right. So, um, yeah, my my father was, um, my parents actually met in the Navy, um, he was a Navy officer, and she was a Navy nurse. Um, but prior to joining the Navy, my father was a, a a pretty darn good swimmer, and so he swam for um, USC, University of Southern California, and he made a world record. Didn't go to the Olympics, but he made a world record for swimming. So swimming has always been this strong um, base in our family. He was also a real outdoors person, and so he took... Um, he was a high school teacher, and we were, they had seven children, my parents, and we didn't have much money. We were broke. And he made, my mother was a visiting nurse because she was trying to take care of us at the same time, and so she didn't have a full time nursing job. Anyway, he would take every summer off instead of teaching summer school. That was his priority. And, and I remember the arguments because we were always so broke, but it didn't matter to him. So he, we'd take the entire summer off, and we had this funky old station wagon and little trailer, and we would go to rivers, lakes, and the ocean and um, park it for weeks at a time. And um, I think I was telling you that, you know, we parked at one time, you know, often we parked at 
in Southern California for like six weeks at, on the beach. And in those days, the um, beaches were pretty empty. They, you know, you could do that. You can't really do that now. But um, and it was just wonderful. So he really instilled in me the, the whole movement and um, outdoors and, and, of course, swimming. Interesting. So I'm a new parent myself, and it really has gave me a lot of time to reflect on my own parents and what they've instilled, you know, in me and my sisters. And that outdoor recreation and camping was one of those things. So they're both from Colorado. I was born here, but I grew up in Kentucky. And camping out there is quite a bit different than it is here. <laughs> but I was always really thankful that, you know, when I was younger, they instilled that in me and my sisters. And so it's just interesting how I feel like our parents can definitely affect our trajectories in life. Um, and so I know that in addition to swimming, you also do endurance triathlons or used to participate a lot in them. Can you talk to us more about that? Because I know for myself, I am not um, a long distance runner. I can run a mile. I can run maybe two, three, but that's about my max. So I am always very fascinated by individuals that participate in triathlons, not just like once or twice or three times, but multiple times and do the endurance one. So could you chat with us about that? Sure. Um, yeah, I did. Um, I did quite a few smaller ones. This was quite a few years ago. Um, you know, I can date myself now, but in 1980, I did a, the Ironman triathlon, which is in Hawaii. And it was, um, you know, it consists of a 2.8 mile swim in the ocean, 112 mile bike ride, through a very warm, hot lava fields, and then, um, then you run in those same lava fields a marathon, twenty six miles. So, um, I had done smaller ones before that, and I had also run some marathons, and I'd always been a, a strong swimmer. So, um, but when you put those three together, it, it's not so easy. Um, but yes, I did do that, and and you know now I've I'm still moving a lot, but nothing near to those kinds of things. Yeah. You you do still, you know, move your body every day, if not, you know, every hour, <laughs> right? But you you talk about the importance of moving your body frequently. Can you go into that in, in the five areas of wellness? Yeah. So, you know, when you, when you think about those five areas of wellness, um, you know, which are, you know, um, emotional, of course, physical, intellectual, social, and spiritual, um, you know, movement influences all those things. And I would never be able to prioritize those areas of wellness. I would never be able to say that one is more important than the other. Um, I think that they're all equally as important. But there's sh surely this direct correlation between movement and um, wellness in those areas. And so, you know, when you move, it makes you feel good. And um, you know, if you ask regular exercisers, people that move all the time, why they do that, that's the number one reason they'll tell you is because it makes them feel good. Not necessarily that they're going to look good in their bikini or, you know, not necessarily that it's even going to make them healthier. I mean, that's important to them, but it's really, it has to make you feel good. And so, um, and there's, you know, really a direct correlation. Physically, obviously, it's going to, the healthier you are, the, the better you're going to feel. Um, but I used, I've always used exercise as a means to, to keep my well, emotional wellness in check. Um, even when, when I was doing those long distance things, I was in a, I was fairly young and I wasn't emotionally completely stable, wasn't sure where I was going, what I was doing, and, and felt like I had a lot of stress going on. And those distance runs and those distance swims really gave me a feeling of um, not only accomplishment, but just made me feel better. 
So, so maybe I just need to push myself a little bit more and I can reach, <laughs> reach that state. I think we all can push ourselves a little more. <laughs> uh, you have, you have a daughter, I mm-hmm. believe that is a CMU student. That's correct. How did you influence her to come here? Was she like, oh yeah, I want to go to CMU and the program that I want is here. And I know I'm going to get the education that I, that I want. Um, you know, well, that's a pretty good question. Did I influence her? I mean, I think it's clear that you are influenced by your parents. And, and she knows that I went to nine years of college, which she can hardly believe because <laughs> she's, you know, only a sophomore right now. So, however, yeah, I think, you know, she she likes, you know, CMU a lot. Um, and so she thought it was a, a, a good institution to, to come to. Um, she's not majoring in kinesiology, That's of course. That's what I was going to ask. Is she sitting in your classroom? Just yeah. like, mom. <laughs> you know, I, I think they, they often want to do something different than their parents. Now, sometimes they follow parents and you'll see that. But I think with her, it was like, oh, no. Um, I think I probably gave her a little bit too many lectures on wellness and movement as she was growing up. And so, but she's, she's a business major. Um, I, she's kind of got a, uh, entrepreneur spirit in her, you know, and so I think that's going to be a good, a good place for her. Um, but she likes it here. She, I think she likes the smallness of it. You know, um, she's not too interested in a large institution. So it's been good for her. Is she an athlete here? Is she, is she active in, on campus? She was a dancer um, from day one. That's all she wanted to do. And, and we really try, I mean, I of course made her learn how to swim, you know, because (laughs) I'm not gonna have a non-swimming daughter, but, and she was very good. She's very athletically talented, you know, and, and my husband's a golfer and he tried to get her into golf because she was pretty good at that. But, and I tried to get her to swim, but she, she's a good swimmer, but not interested. Um, anyway, she danced for, for a long time. And, you know, one of the things about, um, dance and gymnastics and those kinds of things is when you get to a certain age, you can do it for recreation, but it it doesn't seem to have a follow through as far as competing. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You know, in general, I mean, I'm I'm sure if a dancer ends up listening to this, they're going to say, wait a minute, that's not necessarily (laughs) true. So I can correct myself. But I do think that at any rate, she still moves, you know, um, she loves the ocean because I took her to the ocean a lot when she was young. And so she loves the ocean. But not the not the empty SoCal beaches you were mentioning before. A yeah, more not home, those empty more homes. On yeah, there. <laughs> not those empty empty beaches. I we're just lucky. We have some. My sisters. I have two sisters that live in Hawaii, so we get to go. And in fact, when COVID hit, um, she went there for a while because it, when everyone was mm. online, every time everyone was online, she'd say, "Well, this is a good time to go." You know. Oh. All her classmates are probably going to listen to this like, what? (laughs) You were in Hawaii doing classes during COVID? Great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Jill. It's been great getting to know a little bit about you and what you do here at CMU. Yes. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. And thank you for having me. This is the See Me Now Special Edition Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Coleman, with my co-host, Caitlin Birdsall. And today we had Jill Cordova, professor of kinesiology, on the show.